Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed by women. Uh, we <laughs> that prove that yes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. Okay, I'm just going to put this out here now because probably this is going to be an ongoing phenomenon throughout the rest of the recording. I am very tired today. and My brain is so, so present. So <laughs> just putting that out there. Anyway, I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is hopefully someone who's all here mentally today, the one and only Ariel. Hi. Hey, girl. How are you That's doing? That's a big ask, though. Is it? <laughs> I'm counting on you to be, maybe we can be each other's lobes, you know? Yeah. Like, you can be, you, you want to be right or left brain. lobe. I'll let you have first pick on lobe. <laughs> the one, it's like the one of them's for analysis and the other one is for creativity. Pick your poison. Oh, creativity? All right. Right lobe you are. Yeah. I'll, and I'll be left lobe. <laughs> Sounds good. Can we make it permanent? Yes. <laughs> I, we have a, a verbal contract that is now binding <laughs> with a lot of internet witnesses told us to it. <laughs> so, all right. How have you been? What have you been up to? I'm doing okay. I haven't been up to anything that interesting. Although, so I hurt my back a couple years ago and oh, no. the other day, and that's fine. The other day, my physical therapist sent me a new workout to do. It's like one of those high intensity interval training workouts. Ah, yes, yes. I've seen these on YouTube. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this looks like something I can handle. Like, I thought I'm in okay shape. I can make this work. And I did the thing. And it was hard, but I got through it. And then I woke up this morning. Oh, no. And I'm not joking. I had to roll out of bed. Oh, no. (laughs) I tried to sit up like you do when you wake up. And my abs were just like, no. No, (laughs) ma'am. Absolutely not. Oh, my God. You are going to come out of quarantine snatched. (laughs) Boys, look out. Look out. Ariel is going to be snatched by the gods. (laughs) Apparently, you have like muscles in your armpits. I didn't know that, but mine are sore. (laughs) Oh my god, I think you just unlocked someone's new kink. Oh god. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, was Raja there jumping on your back when you're trying to do your planks again? Oh yeah, so every time I'm working out on the floor, he just like wants to rub all over me and jump on me and I was sweating because it was hard. Oh god. And so I I went to take a shower and I looked looked at myself in the mirror and I was covered in so much cat hair like it just stuck to me that oh, I was god. like more cat than woman. By oh, the time god. I oh my god. <laughs> I feel like that is what our listeners picture us as anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> just like as we're in late stage cat ladydom, like <laughs> we are more cat hair than woman. <laughs> Probably. (laughs) Amazing. Well, that is a great segue for what we're going to be covering this week. (laughs) We're going to be covering a little movie called, a little warm and embrace of a film called Relic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So before we get into that, though, would you do me a solid and remind our listeners and any new listeners what our spoiler policy is here? Yeah. So we're going to spoil everything. Yeah. All of it. We're going to yeah. try to give you some maybe general thoughts in the beginning, but I don't know how you could talk about this movie honestly without spoiling all of it. So just be prepared. We're going to talk about the ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to need to talk about that ending yes. because can, uh, let me tell you, I don't get scared by movies anymore and I don't normally get freaked out. But the day after I watched this, I woke up. I don't know. There's something about when I'm like half asleep that I can get still get scared by mm-hmm. things. And I woke up and, you know, like six in the morning getting ready to write and 
popped in my head what if i saw the black figure in my oh, house God. and then i was like oh no i gotta wake up completely i cannot <laughs> be in this half sleep state with this thing creeping around in my head it like actually gave me the heebie mcjeebies that's kind of awesome it was kind of awesome <laughs> i mean in the moment it was really freaky but afterwards i'm always like yeah but i'm also the person that really likes having nightmares yeah you have the best nightmares they're always mm. super creative with crazy monsters and yeah i never have nightmares like that no ever. do you have like emotional ones i have those too and i don't like those yeah mostly i get night like I, I actually will remember a nightmare when it's like a stress nightmare like i'm stressed mm, out about i don't something. like those yeah, yeah and then yeah. i i'm worried about money and so then i dream about like going shopping and getting to the checkout and my debit card getting declined oh no that's <laughs> and then everybody's looking dream. at me and judging me yeah those dreams that's not when i say i like my nightmares that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about the frequent guest pennywise when he shows up in my nightmares like <laughs> then i get i get a good it sequel and i'm like yes yeah that's so cool i i honestly cannot remember the last time i had a nightmare that had a cool monster in it oh god i have them all the time <laughs> sometimes i wish i'd have a good dream that must be nice too like, someone who has good dreams maybe could enlighten me. Right. What is that like? I have like bad nightmares and good nightmares. And every and that's once it. in a while, I can fly in one of the nightmares, and that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, kind of. Honestly, that's pretty much. Yeah, all my dreams are scary. No wonder I have try have anxiety before I go to bed. <laughs> I honestly am just making this connection now as we're saying this. Every night before bed, I get anxiety. Uh-huh. I think it's because I have fucking nightmares Probably. every night. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow yeah so anyway enough of that <laughs> like i'm not paying you for that so i probably should not ask you to, to shrink my brain <laughs> tell me a little bit about this movie ariel <laughs> all right so this movie is directed by natalie erica james she's a japanese australian writer director and producer and she lives in melbourne australia did i say that right i'm never sure if i say that right i think it's melbourne melbourne okay no but R. <laughs> whatever. We're American. Like people expect I pronounce us to everything be morons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So she's had a ton of different jobs working in film. She's been a grip, a best boy, even like a miscellaneous crew member for that movie Upgrade that we liked so much. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Lee Wanell yeah. joint. Yes. Which I think is actually getting turned into a TV series. Upgrade is? Yeah. Oh. That's I'm about cool. that life. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, definitely. She has written and directed four short films, and her 2016 short film, Cresswick, premiered at the Melbourne International Film Festival and won the 2017 Augie Award mm. for Best Short from Screenplay for the Australian Writers Guild. Very cool. Yeah, and she's also directed a ton of commercials and music videos in Australia, and I guess they've been very well received, and she's won a bunch of awards for those, too. She's always liked horror because of, she says, because of how primal it is and mm. how it affects you on an adrenal level, like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. She talked about the first film she ever saw in theaters with her friends and without her parents was The Others, and it really scared her. That's awesome, but also makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Okay, so she said that she really appreciated that there was a thrill and a joy in experiencing that level of terror with mm-hmm. a group of other people. And that's what really drew her to horror. She's known she was wanted to be a director since she was about 13, but initially she was more drawn to psychological dramas. Mm-hmm. 
she went to film school and when she was there she started telling stories with more horror elements and it just kind of grew from that point and she talked about horror being a perfect genre for talking about fear yeah and i mean this movie definitely i i can see how that would translate to this film yeah she said that she was drawn to horror also because as a kid she had a ton of nightmares and she also suffered from sleep paralysis so she was really used to seeing (gasps) super scary images have you ever had sleep paralysis i have not no but it sounds horrifying i've had it a couple times mars has it frequently oh that's right yeah Yeah, that's crazy i've had it a couple times and it is absolutely terrifying as someone who loves a nightmare let me assure you sleep paralysis sucks no i i don't want any part of that (laughs) i'll take an it nightmare but not that i had full body sensations i was laying on my stomach and i felt hands running over my body and pressing down on my shoulders yeah i was like oh no (laughs) oh no 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 like demon hands definitely demon hands oh god (laughs) and then i like woke up kind of got my arms to move a little bit and that finally woke me up and broke me out of it the same week my partner had sleep paralysis but saw a little gray man at the end of our bed yikes yeah like alien style yeah yeah that sounds like it was kind of the worst time yeah there was definitely butt stuff oh my god i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) she also talks about her love of japanese horror movies like audition pulse the ring a tale of two sisters and i think once we start talking about relic you're gonna we can talk about how it sort of mirrors some yeah, of those yeah now that you say that i can see it uh-huh yeah i w- i don't know that i necessarily picked up on that but now i'm like oh yeah okay sure yeah so relic is her first feature film she directed it but she also co-wrote it and it debuted in january this january at sundance and then it did an exclusive week-long release at drive-ins i'm loving the way that these sort of smaller indie horror films are kind of crushing at drive-ins Yeah, it's such a fun idea. Uh The film she talked about coming from a really personal place. So there were two experiences that really shaped her and made her want to write and direct this movie. The first is that her grandmother lived in Japan in a very traditional old Japanese house. And she used to spend the summers there when she was growing up. And she talked about how the upstairs part of the house she didn't normally go into because it was really cluttered. Mm. And there were these huge, big closets with sliding doors. And that when she was a little kid, they really freaked her out. Like the whole upstairs of the house just scared her. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And then the other is that her grandmother, again, the one that lived in Japan, suffered from Alzheimer's. Ah, And yeah. yeah, you can really obviously see that as the direction for the movie. It was a really slow decline. And she had gone a little while without being able to visit her grandmother. And then when she was finally able to see her, her grandmother didn't recognize her anymore. And that experience, she said, had a really deep impact on her. Mm -hmm. She said that she also witnessed her mother and her grandmother's relationship kind of change and decline over time as the Alzheimer's got worse and that that was really hard. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. She said that it was a natural fit for her to make a film about three generations of women because Mm -hmm. of this experience with her grandmother dealing with her health issues. And she also said that caregiving so often falls on women that she really wanted that to drive the story. Mm. Initially, apparently the film, when they were writing the script, had a couple of male characters in it, main characters. There was like a husband and a brother. But then as they went through it, she ended up removing them because she wanted just to focus on the relationship between the women. Yeah. That makes sense to me. There is like a a purity of this, like three generations of women going through this. Right. Exactly. 
So she also talked about her love of practical effects, which is another thing that you can see really clearly. Oh, yes, you can. (laughs) Yeah. There's some fun ones in this. Yeah, we can talk about some of the special effects at the end when we talk about the ending. But she does say that there was about 70% practical effects Mm -hmm. and then maybe 30% just of VFX just to kind of clean up things like wires and other stuff. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and she said that she really loves practical effects because they look so great and she feels like they age better, which I think is something that we've talked about a lot. For sure. Absolutely. And, like, there's something about your brain just knows if something is there or not there. There is a charm to bad practical effects that just doesn't exist in CGI. They're either really good or they're not. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, oh, you know, you can see that was a rubber leg, but still, it was so fun. You know, you just don't have that. There's, like, warmth that you feel. I don't know. That you just don't with CGI. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, you don't notice it. Right. Like when we did on the Zombie Girls podcast, we did the Terminator movies. Mm -hmm. The difference between like the bad CGI and the new one during the Mm -hmm. fight scene where they looked like they were made out of rubber and some of the practical effects that maybe didn't age quite as well. Like you can tell that there's like a puppet head, you know, yeah, that we felt like we liked so much better. Yeah. Like, you know, the brain surgery when he's like, yeah, exactly. It's it's great. It's still so cool, even if it doesn't look 100% real. Agree. Hard agree. Okay, so the other thing is that she is currently working on a new horror movie, which I'm really excited about. It's going to be a Japanese folk horror movie called Drumwave, and it's based on a short film she made by the same name, which premiered at Fantastic Fest. So this one is going to be in the vein of The Wicker Man and Rosemary's Baby, but it's going to be about motherhood's control over the female body. And Drumwave, the short film, is only about 10 minutes long, and it's on her website, which I think is ericajames.com. And I watched it, and it's really cool. So it's basically, she says, a proof of concept. It kind of just gives you the first few minutes of what I assume is going to be the full-length film about a woman who's newly married going to visit her husband's family. And they are more traditional than it seems like she is. And there's a really cool scene where they're doing some kind of traditional dance with masks that looks Ooh. really interesting. And then at right at the end, the husband discovers that she's been taking birth control pills. And his whole face change and his whole demeanor changes. So, and then it just kind of Shit. ends. Shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you had me at full core, but like, <laughs> this is in all of the things I'm interested in. So, right. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. It sounds really cool. So, hopefully, it won't be too long before that comes out. Guaranteed future episode of right. More Deadly Locked and Loaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just need a premiere date. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. So, that's what I've got. Awesome. Well, that's so cool. I love this part of the show. You do such a good job of getting all this information. This is when the show is like, I get to be the audience and just be like, ooh, ah. Yeah, it is fun to be the one listening. I agree. Awesome. Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit about this movie. I have a synopsis. It is a little spoilery. I don't go into major details or plot points, but if you are super spoiler adverse, go ahead and pause, watch the movie, come back. I think generally we're going to say positive things about this movie. So it's worth taking your time to go ahead and check it out if you're super spoiler adverse. I agree. If you can handle light spoilers, then stick with us a little bit longer. Okay. So here is the synopsis of Relic. Kay and her daughter Sam are called to go check on Kay's elderly mother who hasn't been seen for a couple of days. When they get there, she's gone. So they file a missing persons report. They tell the police that 
she's healthy active she although she did have one incident the prior christmas where she left some water running they discover that she has been leaving all of these notes for herself throughout the house including one very ominous one in her pocket that warns her not to follow him a few days later edna returns unable or unwilling to say where she went missing and at first she seems fine but soon she begins to behave increasingly strangely and even violent and ultimately, it's up to Kay and Sam to face down the dark presence that is taking over their house. Good. Yeah. Is that okay? It's not too yeah. spoilery. I mean, I don't know how you would talk about it without giving it a little bit of it away. Right. Otherwise, you'd just be like, some right. people are in a house. I tried to be sort of judicious in the way that I described <laughs> yeah, no, the job. third act kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. So let's give some general thoughts. What did you think of this movie generally? So I think this film is really good. It's pretty brilliant in a lot of ways i will say though for people who don't like more emotional emotionally centered horror films this is probably not for you yeah that's fair but the acting in this movie is superb we'll get into it more when we talk about more spoilery things but robin nevin is like a tour de force she is amazing yeah heartbreaking and terrifying and all of the things right exactly and the set is pretty great too like we talked a lot about the set and the house in amulet and this reminded me a lot of that film where the house really has its own personality and character to it and really is connected to and driven by the plot so i think that the the house is a big part of what lends to like the creepy atmosphere and the ominous atmospheric feeling Mm -hmm. uh, that I really enjoyed about this movie there's a lot that is scary there's a lot of good body horror but it's not like a it's not like a super scary movie no no there's things that are more emotionally and psychologically terrorizing than like jump scares or big monstery kind of things there's definitely some horror aspects to it but the feeling of fear is something you bring to the film as opposed to the movie bringing it to you does that make sense that's a good way to put it yeah it taps into fears that already may pre-exist as opposed to giving you something new to be afraid of. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense but that's kind of how I experienced it yeah definitely But I do think it's a really successful movie in a lot of ways. And Mm. for a first-time director, it is very impressive what she was able to accomplish. And again, the acting is so good. We talked about Robin Nevins, but also Emily Mortimer Mm -hmm. stars in this as well. And she's great. I mean, the performances are really quiet and naturalistic, but super effective. They all feel like very real people who are really related to each other. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with everything that you said, especially I just want to reiterate that like if sad horror movies are not for you, then this one is going to be kind of hard. But it's also a very well made horror movie. And I think it talks about a very necessary and painful aspect of life. And some of the best horror does that. There's a degree of compassion and gentleness, which is a weird thing to describe a horror movie that the, the note that the movie leaves off on that makes it definitely worth checking out. And there's some there's some pretty spooky dooky moments in here that are worth checking out if you, you are a horror fan. So I would concur with everything that you said and add that. And the reason I'm keeping it short is because everything else I have to say is super spoilery. So I'm co-signing <laughs> and consider that your non-spoilery general review. All right. 
let's get into spoiler town okay cool <laughs> all right awesome yeah so i want to concur that like all of the performances throughout this are incredibly strong i think in the case of emily mortimer you see Kay, who is really struggling with her fear of what's happening the thing about this movie is it just about every single moment of this movie can be interpreted a couple of different ways and that's one of the things i think is really strong there is the surface level fear that's happening but then there is also the secondary idea that ultimately this movie is kind of a metaphor for like right. having an aging parent going through dementia or alzheimer's or something of that nature and so through that lens can be interpreted as basically you know fear and pre-mourning that's basically occurring as you're watching a parent change in a way that you are powerless to prevent you know the impending loss of a parent you can see the fear that she's experiencing as she's frightened of what's happening in the house that has sort of a supernatural edge but also just sort of this impending dread that you feel at the thought of losing a parent and i think that so the omnipresent dread of this movie definitely can be interpreted both ways it's probably more fun to see it as like a straight up horror movie but <laughs> right. what elevates this and i hate to use that word because people use elevated horror but what differentiates this from something that is just like more pure horror is that there is this emotional undercurrent and metaphor that's happening throughout the film because it starts with her leaving the water running like right away you're kind of like Ooh, that's like a bad sign but the movie for the first, I would say, two thirds reads very much like a straight up horror movie and then concludes in a way that definitely drives home what the message of the movie is. But I think on the second viewing, you would definitely have a different interpretation of a lot of the performances that occur over the course of the movie, especially Edna, the grandmother, Robin Nevin. All of her transformation that occurs over the course of the movie can definitely be read through two different lenses. There's the language of possession films in this movie. There's hauntings. Later on, when you understand what this movie is kind of getting at, it's also a lot of things that are symptoms of somebody who is experiencing dementia. I don't know where I'm going with this, except for just that it is a very <laughs> impactful movie. Like, this is not light viewing. You have to be ready to settle in for something pretty intense. I think there have been a lot of comparisons to Hereditary, and I don't think that's a fair comparison. I don't think, I think so either. I think it sets people up for disappointment in this movie because it's just not really like Hereditary at all, except for that it takes place in a house with a family. Um, <laughs> right, but that's so many horror I mean, movies. that's like saying this movie is like Poltergeist. Right. You know exactly. I, mean? <laughs> I don't actually think there's really much similarity between the two aside from just like marketing reasons. Yeah, I've seen some people compare it to The Babadook and I think maybe that's a little mm, closer. That's a lot closer, yeah. yeah. That actually is a pretty good comparison. Yeah, because in that one, it's a woman, you know, dealing with all of this trauma and grief take form in this monster. And here it's mm -hmm. like the house deteriorating and the sort of spooky images that you see. Yeah. Uh, another Australian female horror maker. Yeah, good point. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess what you don't understand throughout the movie is that the house is the mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think there's a third act twist where the daughter gets lost in sort of the labyrinth <laughs> of the house and like at first it just feels very supernatural until it kind of comes together and you realize what she's basically getting lost in is her grandmother's mind right i mean it's beautiful and it's sad and it's horrifying that's definitely one of my favorite parts too and one of the parts yeah. that was the most effective i think that this movie is like it's going to challenge you emotionally or at least it did for me because yeah. it, it played on a lot of my own fears that live in the back of my brain. 
I have been the caretaker for a family member. And so I really understand the struggles that Mm -hmm. these women were going through. And I, my grandmother suffered from dementia and I watched my mom go through that and my grandma go through that. And it's, it's really hard. And Mm -hmm. that scene where she's going through this house, through the hallways and getting lost and, you know, everything shifting direction and you don't know, like up from down almost. I thought that was really powerful because you're right. When you start that scene, it seems more kind of classic horror. Yes. And then it becomes clear about halfway through that she is lost in her grandmother's psyche. And for me, I thought that was emotionally very powerful, but also because I'm somebody who is very claustrophobic and I get lost really easily. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, it's a documentary. (laughs) I found that part, especially like that had my nerves on end, but this movie works really well. Like you were saying, because There are so many kind of narrative threads, these sort of horror elements that you see one way until that change happens. And then you're like, oh, I understand now what they were doing with that. Because at first you're like, yeah, is she being possessed by something? Has she turned into something? Is there something following her? Has something Mm -hmm. taken over the house? You're not really sure until you realize that ultimately it's a metaphor for what she's going through. Yeah, I mean, I think that possession is often used as a metaphor for mental illness right. or for, I mean, <laughs> sexual awakenings, but primarily mental illness, right? And so I thought some of that is interesting because there's a history of diagnosing mental illness as possession. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting. But some of it is a little problematic. Yes. It stigmatizes mental health stuff in a way that is not very kind. And I actually feel like this movie takes that problematic trope and flips it on its head particularly in the the final beats of the movie where she realizes she can't just abandon her mother yeah and she turns back and the monster is tamed by the kindness and the connection that they have and the acceptance that her mother has changed i have not experienced this god i hope i never do experience having a family member with dementia but my feeling would be and you can correct me if i'm wrong Mm -hmm. it's almost like there's a monster that's stealing your grandparent not that your grandparent is becoming a monster but there's just almost like an evil force that you can't control taking from your your parent from you and so when she's in the walls and she becomes monstrous my interpretation was that is the disease yeah yeah and the person she is once she comes through the wall is actually grandma again but we're seeing the effects of it of the monster yeah. sense? I don't know. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this movie does a really good job, even in the earlier scenes, showing how complicated it can be because, yeah. you know, she comes back from being, you know, lost for a few days. And although she's kind of bedraggled and you don't know where she's been, she showers and she's herself again, right? Right. And then you see scenes where she and the granddaughter, Sam, are kind of bonding. She gives her this ring. And then there's a scene where the grandmother kind of freaks out and thinks that she's stolen this ring. Yeah. And I think there are a few th- scenes like that throughout that really show how tricky it can be, where there are moments where you feel like the person is who they've always been. And then moments where the memory is faded and it can be hard to be as accepting as you want to be of the person who they are kind of becoming. Definitely. And I think that this movie does a pretty good job with that. 
I think especially the ending, which we can talk about in, in more detail later, but the performances are also grounded. And I think because of the way it ends, that it is less of a, this is so monstrous and more empathetic and feeling right. towards the character. Well, I feel like there's a separation of the illness is the monster. Right. And the exactly. Person. You know what I mean? Whereas it's a little bit blurrier earlier in the movie. Yeah. Especially when she starts self-harming and becoming violent. That scene in the bathtub is intense. And I thought of you because I know how you feel about self-harming movies. <laughs> yeah. Not your favorite. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, sometimes I kind of like it because it's it's one of those things that still affects me. You know, you're always talking about how yeah. you kind of become desensitized over the yeah. years. And I definitely think that's a problem that we share. But self-harm always gets to me. And this movie definitely did where she's kind of like ripping at her skin. And there's another scene where she's like stabbing herself in the face. That was like, one was brutal. Yeah. There's a lot of great visual body horror stuff in this yeah. movie. Yeah. When the corruption has spread over her body and her leg snaps. Yeah. That scene where her leg snaps and you see the bone poking Ooh. out of the side. Yeah. Those are the moments where you're like, as much as it ends on a very dramatic note, those are the moments where you're like, no, 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 this is a horror film. <laughs> right. Right. And the the dark shadowy figures behind that you see sometimes in the background I thought were pretty effective too early on when you're not sure what's happening. I thought those were genuinely creepy. And also Kay's dream sequences where you're seeing yes. that cabin. I think one of them, you see the decaying kind of rotting body on the ground and it opens its eyes. And that I thought was also pretty creepy. Yeah, definitely. And looked really cool. I mean, and it's one of those misdirects, right? Yeah. I was sure there was like a body in the wall or something, and that's what was causing the corruption. And then you start seeing the grandfather, and then there's the window that they've put in the house. And you can interpret it that way to a certain degree through the movie. It's like a great misdirect. But ultimately, what it is, is it's like telling the story of legacy of elder neglect in right. the family. It's not really a, a supernatural thing. It's a cautionary tale about what happens when you just neglect a parent and leave them to die. It's not great yeah they reabsorbed that window without like i don't know that there was any reckoning with what happened with great grandpa it kind of seemed like there wasn't and they're just now repeating that same pattern and so that's the thing that Kay sees as she's running out the door mm -hmm. is this window that represents a previous generation and breaking that cycle she goes back and takes care of her mother and it's extremely powerful there's a couple of scenes like that also when her mother is burying the album out in the woods and she like agrees to let her come live with her there's like a couple of these moments where they're reconnecting and where she's reckoning with the fact that that her mother is going to need care that are yeah. incredibly powerful. And you're kind of like, wait, what is this doing in my spooky, you know, black figure movie? <laughs> <laughs> I will say that black figure really got under my skin. When the first scene where you just see like a hand move on the arm of the chair, I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was really unnerving. Because you just kind of at first are seeing it just out of kind of the corner of your eye or in the background, that stuff always I find creepy and gets under my skin. But like you were saying, I think that the performances in this are so good and they're what really sell that emotional through line you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Because there's really subtle acting going on. There's a scene where Kay goes to try to find a place for her mother, like a mm -hmm. retirement home kind of deal, nursing home. 
her face when she sees for the first time what this place looks like that it essentially looks like a hospital room even though yeah. they're selling it as being quote unquote five when they stars. show her the view mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's very subtle acting but you see where her realization that this is the place she's going to send her mother to yeah. when she has this beautiful home i mean i know it's rotting but like it's a beautiful home out in the middle of a beautiful landscape right and then she has a meltdown in the car that felt very real and genuine too. Mm-hmm. And Sam, the the granddaughter, her kind of reconnecting with her grandmother is is really beautiful. And then also when they have that scene where she's thinks that Sam stole the ring, you yeah. see that kind of crushing realization that maybe she's not equipped to handle this like she thought she was. Like she had planned to move in with the grandma and, and care for her because she mm-hmm. didn't want her mom to send her to a nursing home. And then I think you see, you know, I don't have the kind of experience I need to deal with this. Yeah, this is above my pay grade. Right, exactly, exactly. And that scene you were talking about with the photo album in the forest, that's a beautiful scene where Kay is realizing that, you know, she needs to do better and be better for her mom. It's powerful. And, And also Edna, man, she does a very good job, the actress does, of being very loving and and genuine towards her granddaughter and stuff but also you see the problems in the relationship between the mother and the grandmother like they never come out and say it but you see it in the way that she's treating it there's like this ease about her relationship with the granddaughter that doesn't exist between Edna and Kay and this is echoed in the early scenes between Kay and Sam yeah there is some source of friction some source of disconnect there definitely some animosity coming from Sam so it's again this movie is like all about generational legacy returning pattern I definitely think the inclusion of three generation of women is really interesting because you can see these the patterns sort of filtering down and you can also see like as each generation kind of realizes that their roles are changing and that it's like a cycle right like daughter is becoming mother in that she has to take care of her grandmother and granddaughter is becoming like it knows that she's going to be taking care of her like you see it kind of unfolding and it could have gone the other way they could have run out the door and abandoned her and the cycle of neglect could have continued but instead a new cycle is formed right when they're laying on the bed together that is such a powerful moment when they're all laying together it really is that whole ending scene is really beautiful and i think that it might not be something that everybody loves if you're looking for a more traditional horror movie with a punchy ending this is not that the ending here kind of wraps up all of the threads that you saw narratively throughout the movie and gives you this emotional closure where, I mean, one, it's great body horror stuff there. So if you do like that, there's something there for you, but it's not used in a way to scare you. It's It's very tender. Yes, it is where she's quite literally peeling off her skin to reveal who her mother is now and accepting that. Right. right, And I th- I think that that's such a loving thing that she did, that carrying her mother up the stairs, peeling away these layers, and then laying down and holding her mother as she is now and loving her. And then the daughter coming to lie against her mother's back mm-hmm. and, and then seeing the bruise on her mom's back, that that is mm-hmm. a generational thing, that this is something she's going to have to deal with as well. It's beautiful and just like so freaking grim (laughs) it really is it's kind of a punishing ending in that way and it's interesting because it comes right on the heels of a more traditional horror movie ending where they like escape the monster and run out of the house and then you're safe right Right. 
and she chooses to turn around. Yeah, she goes back in. And we get this totally unconventional, unexpected ending, which, like you said, may not be the most satisfying for people who just want a typical frightening movie. But I think anything else would have missed the entire point of the rest of the movie. Ultimately, this movie isn't really that kind of movie. It's not just meant to scare you. Like, it arouses fears you already have or maybe don't want to deal with. And one of the things that's great about horror is it is kind of a safe place to process fear. Right. Typically, it's personal mortality. In this case, it's the mortality of, of a loved one. Most of us have parents and time marches on for all of us, right? So this is a, a something that, God, <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard to even think about, like something that a lot of people are going to have to deal with in some way. And, right. and it's one of those things you compartmentalize because you don't want to think about having to make these kinds of decisions and yeah it's definitely confronting in that way so yeah. if you're not ready to deal with that this isn't going to yeah. be the movie for you because there's there are some horror movies where you can read it one way but you can also read it as just straight horror i feel like because of the ending of this movie there's only really kind right. of one way to ultimately read the movie you know, it was interesting the person i watched it with was just like there's no answers there's no definitive like what what was the relic was it something oh. in the house and i was like what <laughs> i'm like did you uh, see the ending <laughs> it's a metaphor dude <laughs> and he was just like oh okay all right okay that makes sense now you explain it but i think some people are going to want to look at this out of the literal perspective and be like this doesn't make any sense you have to come to that conclusion when she's lost in the house like oh, okay the ghost is a metaphor the specter in the house is the specter of grief preemptive grief Grief for the grandmother who's having to say goodbye to herself and grief to the daughter who's watching the mother she knew disappear and grief for the granddaughter who's losing her grandmother and recognizing that this is her a legacy. Feature. Yeah. Oh, it's so dark. <laughs> it really is. The director said that that final scene where she's peeling the skin off, that she had wanted to have that scene in it because... A Japanese funeral rites, you wash the body of your loved one. It's like a final oh. loving act. So for her, that pulling off of the skin was really in reference to that and like accepting that new person who's there now, which mm -hmm. I thought was was really beautiful. She also talked about her love of Japanese horror and that in a lot of Japanese horror movies, the ghost is often like a woman maybe who's been abused or somebody who's been through some trauma and that's where the haunting comes from and mm -hmm. that the movies often end with finding a way to like put that to rest and that there's a lot of empathy in it, those movies so she wanted to have that empathetic core in her movie as well oh that's interesting that's yeah. really interesting i mean i'm thinking of like the gr i guess i haven't seen that much japanese or i've seen a handful but yeah i guess that's probably true yeah, definitely. Also, that final scene with the mom where she's pulling off the skin, that was a full animatronic. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Whoa, really? I yes. assumed it was like, however they did under the skin. Remember the, it, the under the skin ended with like a peeling off and. Oh, that's right. You know, so I, I assumed it was whatever they did there. I and an, I could see the animatronic when she still has a lot of the skin on. But I assumed at the end that was some sort of manipulation of the actual actor. Like I thought so too, but apparently not. And they, they made an animatronic where they could control the facial muscles and the breathing so that it looked like the Ow. rise and fall of the chest. Was yeah. the animatronic the, underneath the bed? 
Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Like you just saw it breathing. Yeah, that's true. Maybe. I wonder if it was the animatronic and it was just her all along. I mean, I guess it was her all along. Ultimately, right, right. But I wonder how much of it was actually the animatronic her all along. Yeah, <sighs> I don't know. Shadow people scared me, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> no, I agree. The fact that there's no face, I think, is pretty effective. Yeah. Oof. Don't like it. Any other <laughs> pros before I move into cons? Well, uh, we did talk about the set design and, yeah. and the house. I think that it can't be like overstated how great they did with that. Yes. The mold creeping mm -hmm. on the walls, the sort of how the walls become soft and you can penetrate through them. The way that that hallway closed and twisted, all of that stuff was really good. Yeah. I love when she breaks through a wall and then it changes direction on her. Yes. And she falls down. Yeah, that was yeah. great. That was very well done. Also, the sound design I thought was pretty effective. There's a lot of like creaking and pounding where it sounds like somebody's in the walls and like high pitched squealing. Yes. All of that definitely makes it feel more creepy and scary. Especially in retrospect when Sam is in the walls and you can hear her banging on the walls. And there was yes. that earlier scene where Edna is missing and something is banging on the walls. Is like this idea that she's lost in her mind, even though we know she's probably out in the woods somewhere. From a metaphorical perspective, she's trapped in those walls, yeah. wanting out. Oh, Ariel, what have you done to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I picked this movie, because... We just had to power through it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it had been getting such good reviews. I knew we both were going to want to watch it before the end yeah. of the year. And there was no way I was gonna pick it nor like I would just one day be like oh I should watch that movie totally <laughs> because I knew it was kind of going to be you know a bit of an emotional journey and I did not want to be watching it December 29th or something you know? right which second. one of us would have taken that bullet I wonder you. probably ultimately both of us because I would have been like yes you have to yeah, watch it that's true that's true <laughs> All right. Awesome. Okay. What about, did you have any cons for this? So cons for me are a little tricky because I think ultimately there's so much about this movie that is really great and really effective, but I do think that you have to be willing to put yourself through something to see mm -hmm. that. And that's a little mm -hmm. bit of a con. I think the other thing is that although everything did make sense to me in the end, I think some of the stuff with the cabin could have been maybe made yeah. a little bit clearer sooner. Because yeah. I, I really think that most of it is understandable that the house is really Edna and, and her mind and the way she's changing. But that one, I think you had to make a little bit more of a leap to get to. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, honestly, this movie is well-crafted. It looks great. Sounds good. Excellent performances. Themes are strong. Executes. Impactful ending. Handful of great scares. Body horror. I mean, like, honestly, it was really hard for me to find anything wrong with the movie yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with the movie i think maybe you've cracked the one area where it could probably have had some improvement with maybe just a little bit more fleshing out of what happened with the cabin kind of linking that that's the relic right like this right. family right. relic of this legacy is the relic right at the same time you know it's good to trust your audience so that's a it's not really that much of a con the only con that I have is really just that this is not that enjoyable to watch. <laughs> so it's not it's not a negative against the movie itself. The product is exactly what it is meant to be. It is well executed. But I have to be honest that it's a good movie and it's well made. But you have to be willing to be pretty sad. 
back when it's yeah. over. And it's not a movie that's easy to shake off. Like sometimes I'll watch a disturbing movie and while I'm watching it, I'm disturbed or upset by it. But when those credits roll, I'm like, okay, next, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it doesn't linger. And this one, until I went to bed and then woke up thinking about it, it definitely cast a power over the night, which speaks to the power of the film, right? It is so effective that it rattled me for the rest of the night. Yeah, I actually was planning on watching it a couple of days ago and been busy and maybe putting it off a little bit. Same, same, same. And uh, <laughs> That's how I ended up watching Impedagore. I was like, I can watch Relic or I can watch an Indonesian horror film with subtitles. Right. Mm. <laughs> Normally, that would never be the order that these things went down. <laughs> um, but I ended up putting it off until about midnight last night. Okay. I ended up watching it. And then I had to try to go to bed. <laughs> oh, dude. dude. And I couldn't. I ended yeah. up watching, like, I think I told you, two hours of Parks and Rec. I mean, that I makes everything sleep. better. It really that does. is like, yeah, yeah that Agreed. is Xanax. It is, yeah, it is magical TV Xanax. Yeah, but that is something about this movie. We were comparing it to The Babadook earlier. That movie is hard in a lot of ways, too. It's a bummer, for sure. Yeah, but I almost think this one stuck with me in a different way than that one. And and that may be because of my own personal experience is more with what's going on in this movie than what happened in the It has an extremely haunting ending. It really does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where the Babadook ends almost on kind of a happy note, you know, where they're like feeding the monster. You just want some fun disposable horror. Yes. And that's fine. It's you watch it, you probably don't even remember it next week. And it's great. It's entertaining for what it is. This is not that. No. This is like nutritiously dense horror. <laughs> but it's it, it's a little hard to digest. You know what I mean? Like it it stays with you. <laughs> Has a lot of fiber in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, would I recommend this movie? Absolutely. I think it is one of the best horror movies of the year. Agreed. Yeah. Do I think I'll watch it again? <laughs> Nay, I don't think so. Not because it's not good, but because it's too effective. It's too, it does too good a job of what it's trying to do. Right. I mean, we were talking about the comparison to Hereditary earlier. And Hereditary and Midsummer. you know, if you were listing like greatest horror movies, I think yeah. those would be up there. They're both yeah. amazing. I've only seen both of them once, though. Yeah. I mean... See, I my problem with Hereditary is that's the one that hits home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, too real, too close to home. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, I mean, and some of the best horror movies are ones that you can't you can't revisit regularly. Right, because they have like a half-life in your mind anyway. Yes, you know. Absolutely. And I think this this is one of those. It doesn't sound like I'm recommending this movie, but I totally <laughs> am. I totally am. That's why when we were talking today, I was like, I'd kind of just rather watch Taking of Derek Logan, only because it's it goes down easy. It uh-huh. goes down nice and easy. It's a nice straight up horror movie. After it's over, you're not thinking about the sad stuff. I also think sometimes you got to think about the sad stuff. Yeah. And horror is good about being a vehicle for that. And I think... In this case, this just tapped into one that's like especially challenging. Yeah, definitely. What's weird is like I'm less disturbed by movies that make me explore my own mortality than I am loved ones mortality. I completely agree. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I would rather deal with my own than people I care about. I guess it's just because we're really good people. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Because we're saints, okay? (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, I thought this movie was excellent. You should watch it. Just make sure you have some like tissue and nothing else, you know, for while you're watching it and then nothing to do for the rest of the day <laughs> where you have to interact with other people. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. It, yeah, it is. And I am really impressed that this was her first feature length film. Yes. What is she going to do with this full core thing? I am excited. Yeah, me too. This is another one where I was like, okay, she's on the radar. She is one to watch for me. Yeah. Cool. Another great pick, Ariel. Thank you for making me watch this. Like <laughs> you, you I don't know that I ever would have done it if we hadn't forced each other. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. So for those of you at home who are listening along and maybe you have some thoughts on Relic, maybe we missed something important. Maybe this is actually not about dementia at all and we're just up our own butt. Whatever the case may be, you can drop us a line at Rachel at zombiegirls.com. If you're enjoying the show, review us on iTunes. And if you're looking for something to watch tonight, head over to the Zombie Girl site and check out our VOD calendar where we have all the things coming up and currently out all the things currently out but most recent things out on streaming as well as on available on video demand and links that'll take you there so you can just get them and it's easy peasy yeah and then I guess that just leaves what we're going to be watching for the next episode yeah I'm excited to find out what you got in store all right I thought because we've had a string of pretty intense horror movies and I love those kinds of movies but sometimes you just gotta lighten things up with something fun and breezy like a movie about cannibals <laughs> that's right folks for those of you who are playing along at home next episode we are going to be reviewing the movie ravenous directed by antonia bird oh okay have you seen this i have never seen this oh good okay this is a weird one <laughs> <laughs> it came out in 1999 and it is We'll get into it, but it has a a storied making. Okay. There were some problems in the making. And so it makes for a very interesting film. So here's the description from, I don't know where, the internet somewhere. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at this. <laughs> All right. Upon receiving reports of missing persons at Fort Spencer, a remote army outpost in the Western frontier, Captain John Boyd, played by Guy Pierce, investigates. After arriving at the new post, Boyd and his regiment uh, aid a wounded frontiersman, F.W. Calhoun, played by Robert Carlyle, who recounts a horrifying tale of a wagon train murdered by its own supposed guide, a vicious U.S. Army colonel gone rogue. Fearing the worst, the regiment heads out into the wilderness to verify Calhoun's gruesome claims. So yeah, so this is a period piece. It is a Western horror genre. It's like frontier horror, essentially. And if I recall, I loved this movie when I saw it back in the day. We'll see how it's aged since 1999. <laughs> I remember it being pretty, pretty gruesome. So All that'll right. be fun. And it has sort of a famous score to it. So we'll definitely talk about a little bit about that when we review it next time. Okay, I'm excited. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, it's kind of satire comedy, too. So... Hopefully it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it being good. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Ariel, you want to take us out? All right. Well, that's it for another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye.